Have you ever considered what makes a brand successful? How one brand supersedes another in the hospitality landscape? Well, it's never a coincidence. It's always a product of well thought out branding strategy that captures the essence of your story. That's why principal design is making brands happen in cafes, restaurants, bars, and venues by crafting experiences that gives customers a reason to choose you. They are raising the standard of our industry and helping venues realize that strong brand presence is the key that unlocks all the good stuff like increased foot traffic, higher engagement, and overall happy customers. Branding ultimately becomes the face that engages your audience, delights them at every moment of their dining experience, and eventually earns their loyalty. Because you're part of the Poe community, we'd love to help you kickstart your brand journey. For a limited time only, Principal Design is offering free strategy sessions for our listeners. So jump over to the bio in the podcast description and book your time slot. Welcome to another Principal of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host as always, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning into another episode. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's podcast, unfortunately, on any given night across Australia, there are more than 116,000 people who are homeless. And as we know in our society, that everyone should have a safe and secure place to call home. So over the last 20 years, Street Smart has supported programs and organisations that assist people in need to address this problem. Since 2003, they have raised over $10 million and given donations to a 1,000 groups assisting those fighting homelessness. Street Smart's programs include Dine Smart, Cafe Smart Meals, Sleep Safe and Smart Care. So if we're really fortunate to sit down with the CEO, Jeff Hills and Partnership Manager, Cynthia McCadden. Hey, Bo, guys, how are you going? Hello, I'm very good. And you? I'm good. I'm good. You're good hey, as well, Jeff. <laughs> Excellent. Thank very you. Very excited. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you both on because I've had you, I've been connected with you guys for a couple of years, obviously, and then Adam as well, who started Street Smart. But it's just great to have you on a podcast and have a chat about this 20th anniversary of Dine Smart that's coming up in December. So I feel really fortunate this is launching in November. So venues have an opportunity to jump on board. We're going to talk about that in this podcast. But maybe, Jeff, if I can start with you, tell us about your roles, both of you, in Street Smart and then how the organisation actually started 20 years ago. Yeah, so look, my role is predominantly working with our funders, and that can include corporates, small business, individual donors, philanthropics. And so my job is really to engage with them to map um, how they want to do good in the world. So it's all about social impact and making a difference. So I do my best to map those funds around the country. I also work very closely with Cynthia on predominantly our Dine Smart and Cafe Smart campaigns. I love the hospitality industry, love the coffee industry, so, and that's really the core of what Street Smart is, and that's where we were founded. So going back 
20 years ago now, which I can't believe. Adam Robinson from the UK originally saw a model that was over there, which was the DyneSmart model in the UK. So it's based on a model that is pre-existing. And he was working within the community space and, yeah, and he saw a gap particularly within the community services pocket. So he could see that very small grassroots organisations either didn't have the capacity or the skills and resourcing to be seeking the funding that was out there. Hmm. So he took a bit of a launch into the hospo space and saw that there was an opportunity in Melbourne. It wasn't really as tapped into as what it is now. And he, as he said only last week, that he was rubbing out a lot of that leather of his shoes and (laughs) walking the streets and knocking on doors in the back kitchens of Melbourne and really starting to champion a community and local organisations with where local restaurants were present. And what that formed was DineSmart. So in 2003, he had a collective group of restaurateurs and chefs and who opened up their doors and... um, and raise funds for the local homeless groups. And it's been exciting to see, like, the last couple of weeks, you guys talking about those partners who you started with 20 years ago and seeing those faces. Like, it's been really awesome to understand more about what DineSmart's doing in December. But what about yourself, Cynthia? Like, I know you for a couple of years now, obviously, with Street Smart. Like, how did you come to be working with the brand and what do you love about it? I come from a hospitality background. So, as you can probably tell by my accent, <laughs> I'm Argentinian and I arrived here to Australia like five years ago maybe six now. And so it was, I studied hospitality management and I've been working in a lot of like cafes and restaurants. So what I really love was this opportunity with the streets money is I'm still very much connected to that industries, mm. to those industries, but I'm still having like that reward inside of things where we're doing an amazing things and giving away like grants and much needed funds to grassroots homelessness charities. And it's amazing. Every time we finish a campaign and you see those feedback quotes and what like that, all the efforts, you know, from the industry and from our side and what that achieved is mm. it's amazing yeah background hospitality and that's why i'm loving like being involved with time smart and cafe smart and any other like hospital initiatives we're running at the moment yeah for sure so let's talk about the unique offering that really street smart does and obviously dine smart being one of those programs but as i said at the start of the podcast like street smart has helped a thousand like over a thousand different local organizations and talking with both of you over the years about about the great work that you guys are doing, giving money to these local organisations. And like, Jeff, if I can ask you, like, how does that work? How is that different than maybe what other people are doing in the marketplace? Yeah, look, Street Smart isn't frontline. So we, our job is to be the puppeteers between the donor and the community organisation that's providing that frontline service. Mm-hmm. We, what we do is we activate campaigns. So, and by getting those funds in through each of the venues, we then map out to very small grassroots organisations that fit underneath our core mission. And that might be organisations that are pl- supplying services to domestic violence, youth, migrant, the ageing pocket of, of vulnerable Australians as well. And there's a grant process that goes out with that. So what we do is we scoop all of the funds in mm. and then what we do is then allocate them back out into the community through a community grants campaign. Yeah. I think that what I love about what we're doing is that most of these grassroots organisations don't have government support and our grants might be in small ones, but they're really you know, meaningful and impactful for them because yeah. it's something that they probably is funding that they wouldn't have otherwise. And the real benefit of the of that model is that you find that yes, they raise funds, and so you know if you have a restaurant or a cafe that's raising the funds, and we map them out to a, an organisation that's local, so it has that 
better connection and meaningfulness back to that venue or cafe that's raising the funds. But mm. a lot of the time, these organisations are unbeknownst. They actually, people don't know about them. And so that that is creating that community awareness and education that there are community services and people that are doing amazing things within their community that a large pocket of the community didn't even know that they were there. Yeah, And we're finding that there's also the outcomes, particularly around that advocacy, community awareness, that's building these relationships and these local connections that is a derivative of a Dine Smart or Cafe Smart or another fundraising event that we're hosting throughout the year. And on a similar note, we'll be also been able to see fun ideas. Like you probably chef can speak better by that for that. But hold me here in, in Melbourne or like St Kilda Mums or Eureka Mums, where some of the initiative like pro- projects that we funded like we were one of the first funders because Adam has been really well connected with all our community partners and understanding as he was saying like what were the needs in the area so yeah we're also proud to see fund ideas that mm. is a brilliant point and it really goes into the sort of the impact nature of what these events do and people will often ask like where are the funds going is it and homelessness is really broad yeah but you have obviously you've got your at risk and both experiencing homelessness but the pocket that sits underneath that and relating into the different sort of migrants and youth and domestic violence etc but with that with street smarts funding because it's untied funding, we are plugging those gaps in, which enables us to fund projects that won't necessarily get funding, both from a private or a government sort of stance. So what we're able to do is say a homie, that we're, we were able to fund their business plan or their security fit out within store. With Orange Sky Laundry, we were one of their first seed fundings because Adam saw an opportunity to give an initial boost of capacity building and seed funding because there was merit within the business plan. And now we look at these organisations that are a huge, um, yeah. they're huge and they're doing incredible work, but it does so just happy. show the meaningful impact of a 2000 or $5,000 grant that a DineSmart event can do. Mm. It does lead to that. It almost sounds like... Street Smart sort of acts in a way of like seed funding for for not for startup not for profits in some respects. We talk about Orange it's, Sky, you talk about Homie. Yeah. Those are great organisations which have gone on to do incredible things for homelessness, right? And people suffering from that or need services around it. Like that's really smart use of money. And and that's a large part of Adam's role, and I think that's a testament to Adam as well, particularly around providing mentorship to other founders or other CEOs that are within the community space. If there is a new project or community partner initiative, Adam forms those connections with those organisations and makes sure that our support isn't just financial. It's not just a donation support. There is other support that's wrapped around that as well. And that can even lead to actions to other organisations or other corporates and philanthropic partners where there's scale of investment that goes beyond a two or $5,000 grant. Mm. How do you, I imagine there must be a lot of organisations around around the country who are coming to you and asking, obviously, for funds and giving business plans about what they're going to use those funds for. How do you go through the process of actually deciding which ones you are going to support? Because I'm sure you want to support everyone that comes through, but... Yeah, you know. look, there's, we have, we're really fortunate in the sense that we have a very connected network and it's really important to stay true with the local funds for local people. So again, where the, organi- where the businesses who are doing the fundraising, where they come from, we do look around. We're not about obviously providing support to the larger scale organisations. But we're often going to make sure that the funding is genuinely needed, that it is plugging a gap, that it isn't something that's on top of pre-existing or other government funding. So there is a lot of work that goes around 
making sure that we are giving the funds to the right people. But it's really about, at the time, it really is about referral. Mm-hmm. And it's we have a sort of a very simple, robust community grants program. But again, it's really going about, we have established partners. I think over the 20 years, we have that thousand plus network now. Um, and so going through and making sure that we're, we're providing and scaling up and diversifying our impact as well. So it might be a financial community grant. It might be material aid. It might be some emergency relief. So there's different areas of how StreetSmart has grown its, say, portfolio of giving, you mm, could say, yeah. where it's now quite diverse. Probably a bit of a personal question because I know both of you pretty well now and like you're both very value-led and like you're inspirational people individually and collectively. But, and I imagine joining Street Smart was about wanting to make a change and wanting to do something good. I imagine that's why you both joined. But I'm sure once you got underneath the hood and you really understood what homelessness was about, it probably would have changed your mindset or maybe what you thought before you joined Street Smart. Maybe like separately, what's something that's opened to your eyes about the homelessness issue that we have in Australia that you didn't know about before you actually joined Street Smart? I think for me it's the fact that it is so broad that it's like so many different services and like it's not it's complex so for me it was like definitely I wanted to join to, to, to do something that is going to be good to be going to be rewarding and I think that I was surprised by understanding how many services are out there and before in the past for example with hospital campaigns I work in a lot of venues and restaurants and cafes and I ran these events when I was mm. there and I wasn't really aware of what the impact was going to be like sometimes my pitch will be around this is a donation to help us like fund homeless charities but I didn't really understand what was behind that so it was like highly surprised but like the, how many services and as I said before like the impact and like the needs sometimes I stories around like people who like you will think that everyone needs accommodation support and things like that but sometimes there are stories and, and particular people that would like need something different like mm. sometimes it's our let's just get in a tent and they will feel sa- safer sleeping in a tent in a different area which might be in a struggle and many of us would not understand but it's probably around that understanding that there are like, so many particular so many stories and that we could still be funding all of them for me was awesome yeah I think working within the community space for over 15 years now, I am genuinely always surprised and that go and it goes in phases. I think starting out in my 20s working within the space, I was genuinely surprised at the level of vulnerability of people and the amount of people and the reasons why people were vulnerable was very surprised. It was the hood came off, so to speak. I think entering into Street Smart, the thing that I was, the thing that sort of surprised me most coming into Street Smart and working with the topic and focusing in on homelessness was really more swung to the supporters. And I must admit, I didn't understand or appreciate or have awareness on the level of dedication, generosity, and commitment to community, particularly within the hospitality sector. Mm. That sits outside of that, and I say more in a corporate sense and more of a workplace sense, and I don't know whether it's a bit of a generational shift. I don't know whether things have evolved over the last few years and five years for my tenure at Street Smart, but I think that's probably the thing that has rung true most is the hospitality industry and the leaders who are really wanting to have an impact from a genuine approach, put their hand in their pocket. Do you think the average punter really understands how quickly someone can become homeless or how someone can start couch surfing and those kind of things because that comes into it as well. Do you think they understand how quickly that can actually become an issue? I think unless it's a reality within their own sort of circle, be that personal or professional, 
I don't think I don't I, I think as much as you can be mentored or educated on it I don't think you can mm. I don't think obviously working within the space for quite a while I do my best to communicate it both internally and externally of street smart people's vulnerability can shift very easily mm. and particularly throughout the pandemic what it did show was is that there's an existing pocket of our community that was very vulnerable and there's a vulnerability indicator. So we often talk about so the layers of people's challenges and vulnerability and what has come out and what the sort of the insight from our community partners has been is that the layers of that vulnerability have increased. So an individual who might have had some, say, for example, been going to a particular community partner service and been receiving support for mental health. They are now then seeking support for rent assistance. They are now seeking support for mental health rent assistance and now food security issues. So that one particular service is now going, right, we have to now either seek additional resources, partnering up with other organisations. How are we having a wraparound service for this one individual? That's not always the case. The case is that they're turning people away. And the reality is for a lot of workers within the community space, and particularly through the pandemic, is that they will often turn families away because they, they are, they don't, they're over capacity within that community service. They don't provide that service and the support isn't there. And so I guess that sort of adds a different complexity because you've got this one individual who is a community worker and often going through the fires and the pandemic and we're still riding this wave. Mm -hmm. And let's not deny that there was a lot of vulnerability pre-March 2020. And I really look to, it's definitely about that frontline support for that vulnerable individual or family. There's a lot of challenges that are out there. But I think what is also slightly missed is that we really need to also be focusing on the workforce and these people who are on the front line working for and doing such great work for these vulnerable people. And so that's something that we're really doing our best to be advocates around the frontline worker support that's also supporting these vulnerable. But I do think that going back to hospitality, and I feel like everyone in general, after the pandemic, we all develop that sensitive, like be more sensible to everyone's situations because of how we saw some venues having to shut down and it might be like your local cafe who experienced that so I feel like we all became a little bit more aware more sensitive to who we have next to us and understanding that like for some people it could be like that it could turn really quickly so imagine like for someone who was already vulnerable before the pandemic I feel like People start to see that a little bit more and they start trying to keep back and make sure they're supporting local, which is like re- re- very connected and aligned to what we're doing. I definitely see that I did study in the middle of a pandemic, but I definitely f- hear that much more like people like supporters, but also like coffee drinkers and our supporters through the socials and everything being really aware of that and wanting to contribute. So I think that was probably something positive out of the pandemic. How do we determine if we're making inroads into, hospi- into hospitality? How do we determine if we're making inroads into homelessness? Is there a defined marker? That, that we're actually understanding if we're getting better at what we're doing and we're actually providing homes and we're providing pathways for people to get themselves out of homelessness and actually feel safe? Yeah, look, it's that's, it's a big question. I think from Street Smart's perspective is that we definitely believe that it's a collective approach and that comes from all different angles, be that it comes from a federal national stance and policy and funding that goes into that and it needs to be more of a, a push and a foot on the pedal with more policy around homelessness. But it also goes around in terms of the advocacy and the support at a local level and that that is really a collective approach of... And I do, I genuinely do see that. I think that it is significantly increased, particularly with the millennials coming through. I am a millennial. I'll put put my hand (laughs) up. So I think not to toot the millennials' generational horn, but um, 
I think that we are coming into a space where we are more decision makers within our careers and our space of lifeline. And B, that is, is that we have better influence. And that's also, I think that's to complement a lot of the work that a lot of people did with the generation above us. But I think that I can definitely see that there is more of a collaboration approach, particularly to homelessness, the at-risk category. I can see that more organisations are working together. There's more innovation around the product. The program, sorry, is definitely around how how we're supporting individuals isn't a, a program or a style of support that's a one-stop shop, that it is listening and learning and being flexible with how they're supporting that individual or that vulnerable family. And so that's where I particularly see an, an, an inroad is the style of support and that collaborative approach around the support that's being provided. Long way to go. There's still a lot of people that are vulnerable. We've seen that with the current inflation and cost of living and et cetera, there will be a lot of people that will be become vulnerable. That is a definite. But the learnings is that we need to make sure or that the, there is a step up from a collective approach and that includes government. Because I think the thing we often forget about, especially when we donate to such amazing charities like yourselves, is we want there to be a quick fix. We want to give amount of money and for it to be a quick fix and, and then homelessness is addressed or it's 50,000 people rather than 100, over 100,000 people who are sleeping rough every night. And, but the reason I wanted to get you both on and why I love what Adam has done for such a long time is this is 20 years of work. Yeah. And we're still moving forward with this challenge. And this is a long-term solution here. This has got so many stakeholders involved when you think of the thousand groups that you guys have supported over time, federal government having a housing plan and thinking about how many houses they need to build properly, state governments doing the same thing, public housing across the nation being underserviced for decades, and then local governments like Melbourne City Council who obviously will help People are on the streets in the Melbourne CBD, which is probably the most visual representation that people would notice, I'd imagine. We just need to keep supporting organisations like yourselves in order to try and find solutions to these problems, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think with that is that there's a couple of things there where there is the, I call it responsive change. So something like a Dine Smart event, we might raise and it can be anywhere between 150 or 200,000, right? And we will map that out to different organisations. But when that's at a grant level, at a granular level per community partner, that might be a $1,000 grant, a $2,000 grant or a $5,000 grant. That's not going to create systemic change. And so I guess it goes back to our, we're plugging the gaps as in terms of a response. And often it's an emergency relief response. What we are doing, we're contributing obviously to that systemic change, but we are very much about plugging that gap. I see the responsibility of that systemic change can only happen through policy and large funding bouts. That's the reality. People and often friends of mine will ask me and say, how do we support? Is it by providing local organisations with soap or products or deodorant? And by all means, there is definitely a space for that. And it's not to take that away. But the best thing that you can do is provide a local, very small grassroots organisation with donation support by funding. That's the reality. They're the best people to manage their funding. They do the right thing. They know where to plug the gaps and it's the funding that will often be the best support. And so that's, yeah. Which is why, in my opinion, that's mostly such an amazing campaign because it's like having all these restaurants and the amazing industry being advocates and you know, like being ambassadors and raising the awareness and bringing that into the conversation at least for one minute, that last minute before you leave in the restaurant to think about like, how could you do 
Good. How it's an easy opportunity in Dansman in particular is a two-dollar donation per bill. So it's an easy opportunity for you to chip in, but at the same time start like thinking about it. And like once it happens, once we distribute the funds, it's also understanding who were those local charities that received the funds and what are they doing. So it's, it's coming together, it's, it's raising the awareness and then being able to support them with some meaningful grants. So mm. it's amazing because it's touching on hundreds of thousands of diners. Like we all love to go out. Yeah, I think that it's, it's that opportunity to like for a minute just think about it and if you're wondering what does it mean where like where your money is going to go you can find that more you can read you can understand the stories and maybe broaden your like scope and what you were thinking about homelessness was or is it's definitely a just touching on with what you mentioned Cynthia is our campaigns allow for a moment in time to talk about homelessness and for it to not be an awkward conversation yeah. and for it to not be something that we are literally stepping over to walk into a restaurant it's enabling us to engage with a whole workforce around the country trying to break down the barriers about doing something that's good and often people within the do good social and charitable space and asking for a donation people can often feel awkward about that and they either never engage with it or they haven't personally come into contact with it and this uh, our events and our campaigns enable that that moment to occur but often the, the real sort of highlights are is that you will get a number of staff that have personal connections, be that individuals themselves, family members or friends who have had a, an experience. And that's probably the most common where we're now seeing a, an influx of an individual, of, in, of indi- individuals coming through who are wanting to be social impact champions. I think mm. I always felt like we're working in restaurants. I always felt proud of that moment. It's like I'm proud that my, like, my venue is doing this and is helping and is giving back. So for me, it was always like a proud moment where I would let them know we are taking part in that. We are ambassadors. It's just a $2 donation. You could always opt out. It's something optional. But the reality is like those $2 are going to go a long way. So I, for me, it was something more positive, even though it could be tough to talk about homelessness and let them know what, what it means. I thought it was always like something positive and nice, and especially such a busy time. It's good giving season. Everyone feels good about doing something like this. So mm. I think that's why it's been working so well for this yeah. in, in, 19 years. I want to talk directly about Dine Smart in a minute, but I I remember when the pandemic first hit in March of 2020, and obviously I first thought of <laughs> largely myself at the start, right? Because I <laughs> sacked myself from the job I was in and thought, what am I going to do now? Because hospitality is in deep trouble. And then I thought about brands like Street Smart. I thought about Adam. And I remember reaching out to you guys like pretty early on and what can we do? Because I knew that Street Smart and Dine Smart and, and Cafe Smart relied on customers going into venues and paying money and giving donations. How has the brand survived the last two and a half years? Yeah, look, March 2020 was a bit doom and gloom. <laughs> and I, no, I definitely remember a day and I was in my car and I remember speaking with our chair of the board at the time and having a con call with Adam Robinson in our chair. And it was the first moment of going, oh, gosh, we are, our core fundraising is, is hospice. Yep. And although this was March and our events occur in August and December, it was still that moment of, okay, what are we going to do? What we did in that moment was listen and start to obviously put our ears out to the hospitality industry and get a sense check. Because one thing is that Street Smart, every year we go out to the hospital industry and we work collaboratively with them, but they step up and do something for Street Smart and their local community. 
it was a bit of a moment where we needed to give back and listen and see how best we can support the hospitality industry at the time. What we did was um, we were very fortunate that DineSmart 2019 had just run. So we were scooping the funds in at the time and mm-hmm. collecting donations through. And then what we we started to experience some of the restaurateurs and chefs and the like start to, to give some insight that the kitchens were free, that there was some visa holder staff that weren't entitled to benefits and what can we do? We've got, they also started to plant the seed of, we know that there's vulnerable people out there that are needing food and meals. How can we wrap something up so we have some funding coming in, we can provide the meals, etc. What that did was form a program called Smart Meals. Smart Meals was born and within, I think it was five days, we had funding going out to restaurants and community partners to fund meals. And what that the model was is that there was, obviously with community kitchens and food providers being shut down overnight with volunteers, is that you had individuals who had often been relying on food up to 25 years and then overnight they're going there for their meal and there's nothing there. So there was a deepening very fast alert. So we turned it around with a couple of restaurateurs as a pilot. So Sean at Ladro was one of the first and which led on to Alejandro at Farmer's Daughters and Nathan at Liminal and et cetera. Mm. But we would provide funding to our community partners who would be purchasing said meals from that kitchen. And that was enabling for about two or three visa holders to be employed per kitchen. So they were employed for part-time throughout the week. So there was the dual benefit of providing and lessening the vulnerability of that individual who was a worker, but also providing out a meal for someone who had a food security. What that did was not only it showed the commitment and dedication from the hospital industry to think, and I'm going to use the P word, pivot mm. and we really saw that there was this i mean he's another word appetite for to really take this model out there and our funding base responded super who were not within the hospital industry so i'm talking individual donors philanthropics trusts and corporates we had a an influx of funding come through. So fast forward 12 months of this program and we had over a million dollars that have been provided in terms of donation support. So the the silver lining to the pandemic was is that Street Smart are a very tiny team and we hustled very hard to do our best to make sure that we were getting as much of the donation support out as quickly as possible because we knew that we needed to be plugging those gaps in but also responding to the ever-growing needs. So building up both the Smart Meals program but also making sure that restaurants had maybe a month or two months and up to three months sort of commitment to say that we knew that we were giving them income so they could keep their doors open for at least a month. And so it was this basis that grew and then 50-plus parts partners around the country blossomed and that was the evolution of Street Smart during that time. But aside from that, we also had a, our national corporate partner with Sheridan Australia with our Sleep Safe Material Aid Sleep Kit that was out in store. So parallel to the hospital industry, we had this retail home goods program that unfortunately they were also doing quite well throughout the pandemic because everyone was shopping online at home. So we saw an increase of donation support into that material aid program as well. Cafe Smart run normally during August and similar with Dysma, but we definitely try to be as flexible and as sensitive to the situation and understanding like 
venues are the ones stepping up and having to make the donation or ask for the donation. So we, we try to stay like very flexible and with, uh, as Jeff said, like really sensing what was happening, how could we do things best, how could we help you. We're definitely pushing for people like coffee lovers and diners to go out and support these businesses because it was going to be like something good out of that. And so it was definitely driving people to the hospital venues, being flexible. We have a lot of support from digital platforms helping us like uh, it was Mr. Yam and Hungry Hungry helping us raise funds through the digital platforms with the participating venues. But yeah, I think it was being flexible, allowing them to run the campaign in the best way possible to, with the customers, like keeping the doors open, keeping putting coffee, serving meals, but supporting Dysman and Cafe Smart at the same time. I think during that 2020 year, Cafe Smart didn't run in August, but we did yeah, chat to some of the key people within coffee and sales. And I was going to these conversations going like, hey, look, where if you wanted to do something, we will help do it if you wanted to do some sort of good we're thinking maybe october is a good idea if it's Mm. a good space of time and we had a really positive response and again that's just getting back to it's that step up and this pledge of commitment and dedication from Mm. particularly certain leaders within this hospo industry that we're so thankful for and it's just it's in those crunch moments where venues are busy and the margins are low and there's a workforce issue and you've got a pandemic and you've outdoor dining and what's happening with that. And I think with all of that, there was still that, that opportunity for me to chat to them about their local community, but also that honorary of we'll continue to do it. Yep, let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, um, I think you weren't, uh, I wasn't there, but you weren't considering running Dysma 220. No, sorry, 221. Was it? <laughs> To 20 and then it was ambassadors themselves like reaching out to you and being like let's do it let's mm-hmm. run yeah. it we knew you guys knew that there was it was going to be hard it was going to be challenging but it was also these lawyer supporters wanted let's do it we want to keep giving back we know that these people need to support more than ever so we had to run the campaign and i love always hearing that story of the industry like also it's definitely leading these campaigns it's thanks to them that mm. we're doing this so. i imagine obviously i hope you do reflect on the amount of great work that you're doing with the homeless and people with disadvantage in our community. But, Jeff, when you tell the story about Smart Mills, do you often reflect on the fact you actually kept people in work and hospitality communities working during that time? Because I was close to a lot of those people. Like, I've had, I had I conversations <laughs> with Nathan about Smart Mills and doing that. And the fact that you guys actually kept people working inside venues for people most at risk but also those people who were actually working from actually suffering homeless themselves is an amazing thing. Do you often reflect on that? Because that is so important the last two and a half years. I think, look, I, I get goosebumps from that where it's, and I think it really goes back to the essence of Street Smart. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we work within this space. It's why we connect to it. We, we work really hard to make sure that where it makes sense for all parties. And I think that particularly with Smart Meals and the outcomes that were achieved, it was definitely a highlight, I would say, of my career in a really tricky time. There was always, I think, a lot, and I speak with some of our our sponsors and corporate partners and within the hospital space and outside where that we lived on fear. What was tomorrow? What was next week? And we lived with that as well. We knew that... We were going, what is the future? And so I think going back through, which was a really hard time, but I think what kept me personally going, and that's why I do what I do, is knowing that there was that double outcome. We knew that it was providing help directly into very vulnerable people in those kitchens that work 
damn hard and knowing that there was also that sort of source of a food security resolution. But it definitely was, yeah, a highlight yeah, mm. from my side. Because I think the reason why Hospo is so connected to Dine Smart, Street Smart, Cafe Smart is because we see it. Mm. We start early, we finish late, we see it much more than an ordinary person would, mm. unfortunately. And I've seen it in every single state that I've worked in, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth and now Melbourne, and unfortunately had to figure out how I can handle, how I can help that person who's sitting in front of my venue, who's screaming for help, who needs food or needs attention or needs services and that kind of stuff. Mm. I think that's why you're so connected to the hospitality industry and why this association will live for decades to come is because hospitality is so close to it in so many different ways. It's definitely, a, and it's. I think it's just a, an embedded characteristic and personality type. Yeah. I think working with, and particularly at Street Smart, some of the key leaders within Hospo are the most generous people. But I def, it's something that's in this space that's very different to outside of Hospo. We engage with a number of different pillars of the sector and of different sectors, and something's unique about Hospo and people who work within it. Yeah, I totally agree. We're all about community. <laughs> yes. We're all about making sure we look after each other. Or the other, yeah. Yeah. It's just customer service, chatting to people all the time, listening to all the stories. I, that's yeah. something I always loved about Cosby. Totally. Let's talk about Dine Smart 2022. Woo-hoo. What are we doing this year? Woo-hoo. What's going on? Now we can, <laughs> there's no more seating issues or anything <laughs> like that. We can have full <laughs> venues. What are we doing for 2022? Well, super excited. For me, I'm super proud of what Adam and the team has achieved over the last 19 years. And they're making my job really easy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they have connected to amazing restaurants. And, you know, having the support and having the, the back is amazing. DineSmart will be running from the 1st till the 31st of December. So the whole month, we're at the moment recruiting. We're inviting all restaurants across the country to join, to sign up. Very easy. Just sign up online through a registration form. And we basically provide them, you know, digital and printed assets to help promote the campaign. It's all about having that item ready on your point of sale and then just communicate with the diners, let, letting them know that the, the donation will be included in the bill. They can always opt up out, but they're, they're raising the funds throughout the whole month. Mm. So we're very excited for this December to see how, how it goes, celebrating with all our lawyer partners and new participants, hopefully a lot of new venues. But we're also planning to hopefully raise some fundraising, sorry, host some fundraising galas in March 2023. Oh, wow. Part of that wrap-up of times, as Jeff mentioned, we usually take a, a few months to collecting the funds, mapping every, mapping the donations raised and everything. But we're hosting a fundraising dinner, one in Melbourne, hopefully one in Sydney as well with our partners because that's where we support and more venues involved. Mm-hmm. So definitely looking at having some fun dinner with any who wants to join and just come on a, on a night to meet and collaborate with different restaurants, just have an amazing dinner while helping us fundraise for Dice and celebrating that spirit of the 20 year of doing good. Yeah, running the event in December like usual and then fundraising dinners last next year. And I think this year we are really reflecting back over the 20 years. So I think it's a, a bit of a moment in time to look at our, we've got our 20 ambassadors for 20 years. And so if you go through, we've got a bit of a blog up at the moment, which goes through some of the key figures and what DineSmart means to them as well. Yeah. And in this year, we've also, the impact is slightly shifting this year. We're really, again, responding to what's happening out there in the community. So the funds raised within venues this year are all going to be pulled together 
and we're looking to distribute those funds into programs that building up both vocational skill sets but making a pathway either into the hospitality industry or other employment. But that can often be through social enterprises or other employment programs. But these programs have participants that are coming from a youth, a migrant, other challenged backgrounds who might not have normal pathways existing. So this year, the 20 years of Dying Smart is helping regrow hospitality. We're really hoping to get some, some more people, a workforce, both within HOSPO and other organisations and employment places that support the hospitality industry as well. So it's so the first year this year of a shift. Shift in the, yes. We, do, we saw, like, we, we know we, there's still some stuff short in the industry and actually many industries. So we thought, like, how could we best, you know, like, keeping back on this, like, hearing what are the needs and giving back and see how we could support what better than, like, distributing the funds back to vulnerable people by giving them the confidence, giving them the tools to be shop ready and then hopefully lift themselves out of those cycles they have of homelessness and poverty. So it's like, we're hoping that it will be like a circle where restaurants will help us raise these funds to go to these training programs and ideally they'll go back into working into this industry and any other one but it's all about like supporting the vulnerable people who has a, a great opportunity at the moment with all the, the, these gaps across mm. the country. And some examples of some of the programs that DineSmart this year will be supporting in its 20th year is there, there's some well-known programs. In Melbourne, you've got Scarf, Street, For Change Co, up in Sydney, Sean with the Plate It Forward program. Blue there's Social here in Melbourne as well. That's correct. Fitted for Work. So there's a number of programs that are out there doing incredible things who may have been a previous recipient from DineSmart, but we're really trying to map the support around that sort of that current need of that workforce mm. uh, generation. If um if a group of hospitality venues, let's say they've got restaurants and they've got cafes, they already support Dine Smart, they already support Cafe Smart, they're doing great work with you guys. Is there any way outside of those two sort of functions that they can or the teams that work with inside those brands can actually continue to support Street Smart during the year? Totally. Yes. And that's exactly what we'd like hoping to do in the future to have like more ongoing fundraising initiatives happen throughout the year and that they will be allocated towards Cafe Smart and Dine Smart. Like actually this year for example we have a fantastic fundraising golf day run with the industry like just before mice and you probably like how amazing to bring co- like partners together to like host a fun day but with like the, the idea of raising funds for Cafe Smart and helping scale that tally like sp- scale the impact of Cafe Smart. So we're definitely looking at having a lot of different activations any time of the year having venues helping us some venues are helping fundraise through their cocktail sales like they're choosing a particular menu or something so we definitely want um, to be there for the hospitality industry to be their partners and help them distribute the funds locally with a meaningful impact and want them to like work together and keep uh, connections happening so we definitely want to try to push that in the future. There's definitely some ways in which we see people within our connections and our we call them our friends and partners, but we have a monthly program as well. So every month, Street Smart changes its monthly giving project where we highlight a, a different area or a different impact focus. So we have a, always a new audience that's connecting with us to see what we're shifting from. So it might mm-hmm. be one month that might be focused on youth or return to school, and then it might be more focused on older women within homelessness as as well. But one of the other areas is something that we're really building within the HOSPO industry is our UN SDG connection. And not to greenwash or anything like that, but a lot of we've gone through an assessment with Deloitte around our impact and what the work that Street Smart, which is largely through the gratitude of restaurateurs and diners and coffee drinkers and coffee o- cafe owners, um, 
But it's looking around what that impact means from a sustainability focus. And we're starting to try and better connect a lot of particularly within HOSPA when there's a growing height around sustainability in the UN SDG global framework. And so we're trying to better connect and do some education around the great work that these local businesses are doing and making sure that they also are aware of the sustainability impact that they're having as well. Mm. So as you hinted to, Cynthia, like what is moving forward for Street Smart and Diner Smart and Cafe Smart. If we're to look 10 years ahead when we're celebrating 30 years, you're both back on the podcast when we're talking about 30 years of the thing. I know what's more likely, the podcast or how we're going on with this. What do you guys want to, what are you focusing on next? I think for me, definitely will be like keep running the events like na- nationally throughout like Cafe Smart is one week, Diner Smart is a whole month. I definitely want to keep that happening and go through the, the 30 year anniversary, as you should say, and keep coming together. I think that's probably what is the best. Coming together as an industry to celebrate on one week, on one month. It's really nice to see all the social just blooming, you know, with all the messages and all the donations coming through as well. But mm. so I think that it's a great opportunity, great events that we have. But at the same time, as I just touched before, like it will be amazing to keep having all these ongoing different fundraising initiatives to like sense check, like what you know, does it work at different time of the year for your venue to host something? You know, like do or are there like anything you know in particular you want to support? Like for us, it really comes out sometimes to like acting quick, as Chef said, and like maybe supporting places that are in crisis like even earlier this year we had uh, all the floods affected areas and mm. we definitely act quick to start raising funds and then support those particular community affected uh, communities so maybe that's an opportunity for the hospital industry to like any time of the year is anything uh, if someone needs funds and you want to take action against homelessness you want to raise funds you, they can always count on us helping them distribute back those funds and make sure that they're going to have a meaningful impact so I think it's definitely about coming together during the event, but also like being able to be there for them um, as, mu- as much as possible throughout the year. And having also like, you know, like fun, initial, fun events, like opportunities to meet in person again, that's something yes. that we all miss, coming together, having fun, but at the same time keep raising this much-needed fun. I think there's definitely, as well as we head in time, we are fortunate to see that next generation of workforce coming through and the personalities and the leaders within the industry as well. And so we going through Smart, even in my five years of Dine Smart, is that you can see there's different people that have grown up with Dine Smart. Mm. They've gone from different venues or throughout their career. And so it's what I think what's most exciting is seeing that next generation of leaders and Dine Smart ambassadors come through over the next 10 years. And I think particularly around that next generation of Dine Smart ambassadors will include a bit more of a diversification on who are the ambassadors and getting a little bit more of a national reach as well. We have a great exposure in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, but I definitely think that there's opportunity to grow that out there over to the west and make Dinesmart a bit of a Perth event as well. But no, I think that really around there's a new space of new ambassadors and leaders of Dinesmart and and acknowledging both the history and what the core legacy of Dinesmart was, but also listening and I think adapting to what the future of hospitality you know, holds out there as well and to make sure that we grow in terms of being social you know, impact champions we do that along with the hospo industry. Mm. So I think it's just making sure that we stay connected. We do our best to make sure that we have a 
an ear in the door or a foot on the ground and a finger on the pulse to understand what is happening and what, what is the future of hospital in mm-hmm. terms of digital, social, sustainability, workforce. We do our best to listen and adapt and grow with each other. I think there's also a lot of like more, there's more connections, I think. Like uh, this new generation, as Jeff was touching on, like it's definitely more connect. Everyone feels like a big family. Like everyone's friends of everyone and there's much more collaboration. I think that's something really exciting for the future to see different brands, restaurants or cafes so connect, collaborating on something in particular to, and bring the best out of both of them and the event in particular. So there's much more creativity, I think. Like the new generation is going to be more creative and I'm looking forward to see what could it be happening, what could be new. We already have amazing ambassadors in the past that have helped us connect, spread the word, get more industry peers on board and then raising enough you know, funds through different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably like what I'm really looking forward to see, to hear those new ideas and help them back and tailor the event the way possible. Yeah, for sure. My last question to you. How can people jump on with DineSmart? How can people get in touch? Cool. It's all on our website. So if you go to streetsmartaustralia.org, you'll find, you know, slash DineSmart maybe. <laughs> it might be easy. Otherwise, you can find it on the menu. Just go into the DineSmart page. It has all the information about, like, when the campaign's running, what do you have to do, what's the impact going to be, and then you'll find the registration form. So we're inviting venues to sign, sign up, jump on board, help us raise funds. And if you are just... A diner or you're like interested in the event or someone like you could still get involved and learn more about what where the fans are going to go and help us scale the impact mm. so on our website socials as well we do have instagram twitter linkedin facebook most of them i believe in street smart Aust. street smart Aust. so yeah good old uh, good old instagram is street smart <laughs> at street smart Aust. so we've got the reg form right there in our linkedin profile cool Correct. you can come and join at any time in december ideally before december sure. so anytime during just before the 1st of December will be ideal. So then we have some time to just like give them with this printed collateral. Of course. Sometimes it happens. So they will, you can sign up in, during the first week of December and just help and rest during the last three weeks. But yeah, some venues will even go into January. Like it's, it's really, yeah, we're cool. really flexible. We do want to take that moment, take the festive season to promote it. We, we work really hard with media partners and ourselves to let diners know what's happening. Let's diners know to go and support our Dinesmo participant. So I think that Dinesmo, uh, December has that time, like that bus with the good giving season. So when everyone's going out, having end of year celebrations, so it's probably a perfect time in signing up anytime before the 1st of December and then uh, we can chat. We can, we can mm. always help them as they need. Yeah. I think it's a really great point, actually. Like, uh, if you're listening to us from all the regional areas like Newcastle and uh, Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast and Portsea and Sorrento and all those places are going to have a lot of holiday makers over the Christmas period but extend totally. into January because we know that Melbourne CBD is a ghost town in January, right? It's fantastic to drive <laughs> around. But if you're in Sorrento or Portsea, it's really busy. So it's a great thing that you can actually yes. extend it and give more money and then people are feeling really good about actually making a proper difference to homelessness. Totally. Yes. Great point. Because cool. it does take us usually a little bit till we collect the funds and we map them yeah. and distribute them. So we have that little range, that period uh, during January, a little bit of February maybe, for restaurants to, to keep running the event and scaling the impact. Absolutely. Jeff, Cynthia, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank space. you. It was great. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoy that one. As always, please comment and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we'd really appreciate you sharing it along. All right, so I'm stopping the podcast now so you can sign up for the Street Smarts Dine Smart program for December. So go to streetsmartaustralia.org slash dinesmart. Go to it now and then come back to the podcast. All right, great. Now you're back. 
and now you've signed up. If you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, and graphic design, you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at Open Pantry Consulting in 42 days for anything to do around people, systems, and processes to make your business run even more smoothly. Have you ever considered what makes a brand successful? How one brand supersedes another in the hospitality landscape? Well, it's never a coincidence. It's always a product of well-thought-out branding strategy that captures the essence of your story. That's why Principal Design is making brands happen in cafes, restaurants, bars, and venues by crafting experiences that gives customers a reason to choose you. They are raising the standard of our industry and helping venues realize that strong brand presence is the key that unlocks all the good stuff like increased foot traffic, higher engagement, and overall happy customers. Branding ultimately becomes the face that engages your audience, delights them at every moment of their dining experience, and eventually earns their loyalty. Because you're part of the Poe community, we'd love to help you kickstart your brand journey. For a limited time only, Principal Design is offering free strategy sessions for our listeners. So jump over to the bio in the podcast description and book your time slot.